We are in the fifth part of our series through the book of Daniel entitled Dare to be Different. And what I've really been looking for if you're brand new is that we have yearly themes here at Bridgeway. This is the year of becoming. The year of becoming all that God designed you to be. And one of those ways I wanted to pursue was to figure out how ought we to live different so that our lives shine for the Lord. And I wanted to look at a man by the name of Daniel because he lived an extraordinary life. And I thought, what can we learn from him and apply to us? That's why we're here. So what God is about to do in this chapter is right in front of Daniel's eyes, he's going to change the world scene. He is going to shut down the Babylonian Empire and raise up the Medo-Persian Empire. Now to you, you may go, eh, who cares? You have to understand, this is history. This is something massive changing and God called out his shots ahead of time. In other words, he knew exactly what he was doing and he had orchestrated the entire thing. Now let me share and make this a little bit more practical for you. Have you, has anyone here heard of the Achaemenid Empire? The Achaemenid Empire, anybody ever heard of that? All right, all right, we got four of you, fantastic. Do you realize that the Achaemenid Empire was the largest territory-owned empire of all of history? Did you know that they dominated more of the world than any other group? As a matter of fact, their empire spanned three continents, and yet most of us can't spell it. Does that make sense? Like, we're not even thinking about it. We don't even, they were known as the most dominant. They were the third Persian uprising, the third Persian kingdom that rose up, and yet we don't even hear about them anymore. Let me give you a couple other bits of info. The French Empire ran the world from 1535 to 1789. You know what I think of when I think of France? I think of Ratatouille. <laughs> I think of a tourist destination, right? That, and good dessert, that's it. I do not think of them as a dominant powerhouse, right? Here we go, the British Empire ran the world for 215 years by their navy. Their navy? Who cares about that anymore? What are you talking about? How do you run a world through the navy? But they did. And they were known as unstoppable. The Portuguese empire was the first global empire. Along with the Spanish empire, they lasted and ran things for 550 years. Anybody know how big Portugal is? How big Spain is? I'm quite certain we could fit about a thousand of them in California, right? They are a tiny little place and yet they were so dominant. They were the ones doing all the expansion and all the colonies. They were doing the, the, uh, all the expeditions and things like that. But now what? We don't hear about them much anymore. You see, I grew up being taught that Russia was the dominant superpower and then I was told it wasn't. Wait, how did that happen in my lifetime, right? It's even crazier when you get to China. You see, China was the dominant superpower, and then it wasn't, and then it was, and then it wasn't, and it will be again. <laughs> the, the Chinese empire is actually the longest lasting rising empire on the planet. 
but I don't know how much they factor into your world day to day. Here's my point. What do Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong, Joseph Stalin, Pol Pot, Saddam Hussein, and Idi Amin have in common? They don't rule or hurt anyone anymore. At once, they were considered invincible. Nobody even visits their grave anymore. Powers and people of this world once considered unstoppable, uncontainable, eternal, simply ended. Why? Because God said so. If you're following along with me on the app, here's the fill in the blank. You might want to write this down. God can raise or remove anyone he wants. God can raise or remove anyone he wants. What does that have to do with you? Well, you and I might need to write down three things that are really important about this fact. Number one, never become arrogantly comfortable. Never become arrogantly comfortable. Why? Because if you are God's, he can pick you up and move you at any moment. We need to hold everything we have with very loose hands because we're all on call. Raise your hand if you remember something called a pager. Anybody remember pagers? All right, cool. If you didn't raise your hand, you're under 50. That's cool too. All right, great. It's also called a beeper. Does that help? Anybody? Okay. Good, good, good. You are always on call. Number two, write this down. Any closed door can open and any open door can close. Any closed door can open and any open door can close. That means always look at circumstances as able to shift at any moment. All throughout history, people have said something was impossible and then it wasn't. You see, when you're praying for breakthrough, sometimes your definition of impossible limits your faith. Please do not limit God by what limits you. Number three, write this down. God's not afraid of anything or anyone, so be ready. God is not afraid of anything or anyone, so be ready. He has no limitations on where he will go. And if you are one of his children, he'll take you with him. That means he can walk into dangerous circumstances. That means he can walk into impossible circumstances. And guess what? He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to keep you close. He knows how to change it all. So always be ready because God is on the move. Let's pick up our story in Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. If you are reading out of the ESV, you can pick it up in page 742. But just remember this, daring to be different means being ready for God to use you at any moment. What is about to happen is going to catch Daniel off guard, but he's always ready. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1, King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords, and he drank wine in front of that thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem 15, 50 years earlier, that those be brought, that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. 
And they brought out all these vessels taken from the temple, and they all drank from them. Verse 4, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Let's pause for a moment. When Pastor Paul Tomey preached last week, he was talking about Daniel. We are now 23 years in the future by shifting to chapter 5. Now, Daniel is older. He's approximately 80 years old. He was not utilized by this king. This king barely even knows who he is because his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, thought that Daniel was a big deal, but the next two didn't. So Daniel has kind of been sidelined, and this new king is in play. Why is Daniel in the middle of this? Because as I've shared earlier in the series, God puts you where he puts you to shine as brightly as you can. We need to make sure that our minds are always tracking that you're not where you're at by accident. You're where you're at on purpose. Shine as brightly as you can there. So he throws this house party, a thousand liters. This is a big party. Why was he throwing it? Because history tells us it was a very strange time to throw a party. Why? Because as of this moment in history, on the night that this party was held, the Medo-Persian Empire had already taken the entire empire and were all camped around the city of Babylon. Why would you throw a party when you have all your enemies right outside the walls? Seems like a strange time to celebrate. So why? We don't know. We have three guesses in history. The first guess is that it was a morale booster, right? Man, we've lost everything else. They can't get in here. We're going to be all right. Now, why in the world would he say that after they'd lost so much? Well, it's because of the city of Babylon. You see, Babylon has lasted for a really, really long time, and there was a reason. Babylon was surrounded by two walls. The outer wall was 25 feet thick and 40 feet high. It was impenetrable. They had the river Euphrates running through their city, so they always had a source of water. They had stored up food that they could be in there with the doors locked for years. There was nothing an enemy could normally do to ever try to get in that city. So maybe it was a morale booster. Maybe it was they got everything else, they can't get us. Still an odd reason, yeah? Second guess, maybe this was the king's coronation. Maybe he was naming himself as the rightful ruler. And you said, well, hold on, Daniel already called him king. Well, hold up. Actually, his dad was in charge. You see, his dad had, was more of a general. And he had just been routed three days earlier and was on the run. It's very possible that King Belshazzar said, I'm next in line, put the crown on my head. Perhaps. The third one is just a simple guess that it was a normal feast and they were just moving on, feeling relatively secure. Either way, don't you think it's interesting that they took the items after all this time that had been in their storage and they took out the items of Yahweh. They took out the items from the temple that had been used to serve God in heaven and they were now using them to party with. 
Does that seem odd? Most scholars believe it was very intentional. But here's what I want to highlight. That's kind of a no-no. Yeah? Like, if you're going to take holy items that only the priests were allowed to touch, and now what, you're just going to have a party with it? And you're going to celebrate and praise other gods with it. Boy, that is messed up. Which, by the way, I don't know how many of you remember the cartoons, the old cartoons they made about this, and they were like, praise the God of gold, praise the God of silver. I don't think that's what they did. I think that's stupid. I think what they did is they praised the Babylonian gods, but from Daniel's perspective, he's like, you're celebrating a hunk of wood, you're celebrating a bunch of silver, you're celebrating a bunch of gold. This is useless, you guys. There's no power in it. There is no such thing as any God beside the God of all creation. So in his mind, it's all foolishness. And you go, so what does any of this have to do with us? Two things. Number one, we have an awful lot of gods in our America. And we praise an awful lot of stuff that is pretty silly. You see, every time somebody gets interviewed and people say, what is your key to success? They always have a ridiculous answer. Here's what they normally say. Hard work. Baloney. How do I know that's a lie? Because I know about 30 people that work harder than them every day, and they are not billionaires. So I don't think it was your hard work. Sometimes they'll say thing, you know, something else that, that reveals how brilliant they are, something like that. If anyone is ever interviewed as a mass influencer or a multi-billionaire or somebody extraordinary at business, if anyone is ever interviewed and they have any answer other than the one I'm about to give you, they're lying. Here's what they should say. I have no idea. I guess that's how God wanted it. That's your only answer because everybody else is doing what you're doing and they're not getting the same results, right? So it is not you. Something else is going on and it's God's power. Here's the other thing that it matters for you and I. We look at things like somebody taking God's stuff and using it for profane purposes and we're like, oh dang, I would never do that. You sure? I'll just give you one verse. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you're doing what? Ah. You see, daring to be different means using God's stuff for God and not just for ourselves. You guys, are parties wrong? Is partying bad? Not at all. As a matter of fact, it was God's idea. God set up and mandated that the Jewish people party consistently. God loved, what's a party for? A party is for being lighthearted, having a blast, hanging out with people you love, and enjoying it. That's what a party is for. That is everything God is for. But somehow we bought into this idea that God is against fun. God is not against fun. You know what God's against? Us hurting ourselves. Why do parties go bad? Because of usually one reason, selfishness. You see, when we enter into any situation and we say, God, it's no longer about you, it's about me, something's probably gonna go wrong. Oh, yeah. 
always does. Let's move forward. We pick it up in verse 5. Immediately while this party is going on, the fingers of a human hand appeared, and they wrote on and carved into the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand, meaning it was all lit up and clear. The king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, his thoughts alarmed him, his limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. That is a way of saying, man, that dude lost it, right? And how would you have, how would you handle a disembodied hand now writing on your wall? That would probably freak you guys out too, right? So let me paraphrase. He grabs all his wise men and he's like, what is happening? What is that? What does it say? And what does it mean? And they were like, I have no idea. And he's just about to fall apart when his mom steps in, which kind of is the truth for all of us. Yes? <laughs> Praise God. Pick it up in verse 10. The queen, likely his mom, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your grandfather, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him. And your grandfather made him chief of all wise men, verse 12, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding to interpret dreams, to explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this man, Daniel. Now let Daniel be called, and he'll show you the interpretation. Man, talk about a cool workup, right? I mean, if you're going to go up and give a speech, don't you want this lady, like, introing you? How cool would it be to know you got to grab that guy. He has the spirit of the gods in him, right? He can answer anything. Go get Daniel. Here's what's intriguing about that. The king didn't even know who Daniel was. You know what this is a subtle explanation of? His mom is going, you know, it's interesting because I remember when my dad was on the throne, he had smart people around. I don't see any here. Right? Mm. Why did they call Daniel? His reputation. Daring to be different means that you develop a reputation for being a child of God and someone people can turn to. You see, some of you have bought into a lie that the fact that everybody relies on you is a burden. Are you sure it's a burden? Are you sure it's not an honor? They would never come to you if they didn't trust you. They would never come to you if they didn't think you were wise. They would never come to you if they did not think you capable. You see, so many of us are like, oh, people always want something from me. You know why? Because you're special. That's why. I know it's hard. All I'm telling you is if you were a lesser person, they would have never called. Please consider an honor. Do you need to put in boundaries? Yeah. But please consider in an honor when people come to you. They're looking for hope and help, and they see it in you. Praise God. Let's pick it up in verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. 
The king answered and said to Daniel, oh, you're that Daniel, one of the slaves of Judah whom the king, my grandfather, brought from Judah. I've heard of you, heard the spirit of the gods was in you, that light and understanding and excellent wisdom was found in you. Now all my wise men, they've been brought in before me to read this writing and to give me the interpretation, but they don't know. If you can read the writing and make known to me what it means, you shall be clothed with purple, have a chain of gold around your neck, and you will be the third ruler in all my kingdom. Boy, that sounds like a good offer. Here's what Daniel said. Daniel said before the king, keep your gifts for yourself. Give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I'll tell you what it means. And here's what he did. Right before he gave him the answer, which the king is hanging on every word, like, all right, dude, here we go. This is your big moment. He takes the moment to slap down the king. This is super gutsy. Here's what he says. Hey, you remember your grandfather? Sure you do. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, he and I were close. You know what? He was better than you. He's smarter than you, stronger than you, more influential than you. As a matter of fact, he was probably better than you in every possible way. However, he got really cocky about it. And you know what I watched? I watched him go insane. I watched my God shut that dude's brain down. And he ended up becoming insane, lived out in the fields with the wild donkeys. His hair grew long and matted, and he ate grass. He was so humiliated until he recognized that there is only one God in heaven, and God restored him. You know what, King Belshazzar? You're nothing like him, but so much more cocky. Here we are again. That's a problem. Now, was that not gutsy? Like, whoa, now you're asking for it. But everyone's watching, right? So what is the king going to do? He still wants to know the answer. And so Daniel goes, let me tell you the answer. You see those four words right there? Excuse me, those three words? There's three words, but it's over four times. Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. He said, you know what that means? It means this. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom, and it's over. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances, and you've been found wanting. Peris, your kingdom is split apart and will be given to the Medo-Persian Empire. That's what it means. You're done. Whoa. You know, sometimes... Daring to be different means thinking of what's best before thinking what's best for you. It was not wise for Daniel to do that, but it was right. What Daniel should have done if he was like the rest of us is go, dude, I know the answer. Give me my gold, right? Because I know the guy's going to die soon. It doesn't matter. But he didn't do that. His integrity would not allow him to take a shortcut. He had to do it right. King, you're out of line and God is shutting you down. I don't care what you do with me. How in the world would Daniel be this bold? You know why? Here's what I think. I think it's because he was 80. Here's what I mean. How many tests and trials has Daniel already been through? A lot. You see, when you're that battle-worn, you're not afraid anymore. Daniel walked up and he's like, I don't care what you do to me. I've seen worse. Go ahead, bring it. 
I'll tell you what, I believe in my God. That's a fact. You see, there are some saints in this room and you have lived harder lives than any of us. You will be more bold, more courageous, and stronger than all of us because there's a benefit to walking with God over a long period of time. I know it's really in vogue to be able to be a Christian, then not really, then yeah, then not really, then yeah, then not really. I'll tell you what you miss. You miss years of power. There are some saints that have been faithful in this place. You're who we need to look for, for strength. Let's finish it out, verse 29. Then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple, a chain of gold put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he would be the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But that night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom at 62 years old. God finishes what he starts. He called his shot, you're done, and they broke through the wall. They did the impossible and took over the kingdom. God can raise or remove anyone he wants. I'm gonna give you the prayer prompt. You know, we've been doing prayer prompts throughout the week, right? I want you to write this down if you wanna be praying along with us. Here's your prayer prompt. God, what step of faith are you asking me to take this week? God, what step of faith are you asking me to take this week? In other words, you've been talking with me and talking with me and talking with me. And is it time to go? Is it time to do this? Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I'll do it. That's your prayer prompt. But here's how we're going to close out our time. And I, uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different. You see, I have a team with me that walks in the supernatural. And I asked them, I said, hey, I'm gonna be talking with our congregation this weekend a little bit, and I would love to know if you would seek the Lord on their behalf. And so we've all been kinda seeking God and jotting stuff down, and you see, God is the revealer of mysteries. He knows all things. He knows what's going on in your personal life. He knows what's going on in your public life. And so here's what we're going to pray for as we close out. How many of you, and I'm going to actually need to see your hand, how many of you have been seeking God for an answer for quite a while? You're constantly asking, Lord, what about this? What about this? You're seeking breakthrough. You're seeking help. You're seeking hope. But you've been praying for something very specifically for months or years. Anybody in that situation? Raise your hand. Yep. It's quite a few of you, yeah? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray about that. Here we go. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to have your own connection with us. That God, that you are present, alive, and active, and therefore, these words that we are going to read, these words that you have revealed to us are for individuals right here, right now. God, we praise you and we know that you are near us, that you love us, and that you are here to encourage us. So God, be amongst these words and encourage our hearts.
Here's the first one. I feel like there are some of you struggling to trust me, God says, as a good father. You've been doing things in your own strength for so long, and some of you have had earthly dads that make it really hard. Hard to trust any father could be good, but I am safe. I am good. I am trustworthy. I love with a perfect love, and I will never let you down. I am a safe bet, a sure thing. Let your guard down, open your heart to me, and let me lead. To others of you, the Lord has placed inside some of you big dreams. They seem impossible to accomplish. The Lord said, I am the greatest source. I have endless resources available to me. Seek me. I have strategies I want to release to you. Listen to my voice. I'm in your dreams. I have divine connections for you, and together we will accomplish the impossible. Third, there are some of you who have been reaching out to God and feeling like your prayers are going unanswered. You are at the point where you are unsure if any of this even matters anymore and wonders if God even sees you. And God says, I do see you. One of my Hebrew names is Elroy, the God who sees. I see your desperate cries. I cherish every tear. I'm with you right by your side, closer than your breath. Do not give up hope. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. To those very specifically, I was given five words for you. The first, and I don't know who these apply to, it will be between you and him. Here's the first. I forgive you. I know what you did was intentional, but my cleansing is greater. The second, the company will not survive. Make other arrangements, I will provide. Number three, stop fighting. Be still. Let me move. I can move what you can't. Number four, freedom is possible. Addiction doesn't get to rule your life. Involve me more in the process. I deliver. And number five, to the man weighing a life-changing move, factor in your wife's desires before deciding for her. And finally, there is someone here who feels like they are pushing a boulder alone. Help is on its way. One last piece as we close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask for your, your guidance in this and we ask for your healing touch to be present in this room. Are there any here who suffer from a skin disease? Raise your hand. Anybody have a skin disease? Yep, one, two. Anybody else? Three, four, five. I'm going to pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray blessing over your body. I pray that right now that which has been disrupted in your skin would be made whole, healthy, and healed. 
Lord Jesus, you said in your word that if any of us are sick, we could go to the leaders of the church, that they would, the prayer offered in faith would make the sick person well. Lord Jesus, they did not come expecting healing, and yet here you have shown that you see them. Lord, if any of that skin disease is not doing any more benefit, if it is not bringing any more goodness, we ask that it would be shut down in the name of Jesus and full healing would be released. That, Lord, it would like, be like a balm from heaven covering over the area, and, Lord, that it would be instantaneously healed right here, right now. God, begin to release your power more and more and more that they might be healed. We pray all these things. In the name of Jesus Christ. And God, as our prayer team comes forward, would you anoint this altar? That, Lord, that whatever they are praying for, whatever your people need, that you would see them and respond to them. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.